coming up this week on the Course of Life podcast. It was a master's week for the ages with a fitting and deserving champion and a whole lot of drama and storylines. Plus, I've got some exciting announcements on tournaments that I'm heading to next week. And most importantly, our Quinnipiac Bobcats are national champions on the ice. We get into all that. Plus, we're tuned into a celebrity golfer and Chicago. And this week's guest, friend of the show, Brittany Baldy Dull, updating us on her baseball wife life, her content, and maybe a possible return to MTV. We'll see. Plus, it's uh, everything candy holiday related when we always end with food. All of it brought to you by our friends at Swing Juice, Mike. Swingjuice.com, official apparel provider of the course of life. And as soon as I showed you these shirts and the uniqueness behind the Swing Juice brand, I knew you took to it too, because it's all about that casual lifestyle golf vibe on the course. Everything from golf and pizza to golf and tacos, they've got vibes for the golf and food lovers out there. And we love everything that they make. So be sure to check out swingjuice.com. Our code is LIFE20. So again, code LIFE20 saves you 20% off anything on swingjuice.com. Anything. We'll get into all the wonderful stuff they have to offer, but we'll let you browse for now. So again, check out Swing Juice. Get some juice into your life with Swing Juice and promo code LIFE20 at swingjuice.com. interwebs and welcome to course of life we are proud to be presented by our friends at desert fox golf and swing juice i'm michael he's alex and alex i'm still flying high we'll talk about why in the second half of the show as you teased about in more opening but for now let's talk about the masters a tradition unlike any other that it is uh, the masters was phenomenal at augusta what a start to the week and then weather just all over the place and then a phenomenal end on Sunday with so much golf to be played then as well. Let's start at the beginning of the week, even before Thursday. Let's talk about Tiger Woods' press conference and where he was pretty much saying he doesn't know how much longer he's going to be able to play. Yeah, I know. That was a kind of auspicious start because every week at the Masters, you kind of get that press conference where Tiger reminds you that if I'm still here and I am able and I'm ready to go in a tournament, that means I fully intend to play and try and win this thing. And now all of a sudden, for the first time through his entire plight and everything he's been through in the last several years, we're finally starting to hear that language surrounding the end for him and what's left and the ticking clock. So that that was a little bit of an auspicious start to the week. And it made us wonder what sort of condition we were going to get from Tiger this week. And uh, needless to say, it was a struggle for him from start to finish. Yeah, he made the cut. His, what, 23rd consecutive cut made at the Masters? On the number with help from Justin Thomas yeah. and Sung J.M. I mean, on Saturday wow. morning, yes. <laughs> um, and then he withdrew on Sunday morning. I, I think for Tiger to have a week where he can contend then that's a big word to use right now. You need like 80 degree dry weather. That's and what all you of need. the greatest players in the world playing their C game as well. Too. Exactly. Exactly. That's so, the sad I, reality. I, yeah. yeah I, I, he, and I think he, he knows that and he's kind of finally starting to say it. I mean, he's kind of been hinting at it anyway. Um, but, and he, his play showed it. He just somehow, he, I think he made the cut because everyone was like, oh, we need to let him make the cut. So we're going to do that. And then, of <laughs> course, with the split groups they did Saturday and Sunday, he, because he was at the bottom of the barrel, I know the Masters did it this way and CBS did it this way. They split it so that worst group teed off last on the 10th tee with the leaders teeing off on the first tee so that you could put Tiger in prime time. Yeah, there was a lot of crazy hijinks with CBS moving things around, and the logistics got really nuts because if you watch a golf tournament casually or you're a fan, you know it's typically just 18 holes a day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But when the weather gets in involved, like it always seems to at Augusta National, Mike, I swear, you know, for it being you know the most magical week of the year on the calendar. Mother Nature does not agree with that uh, in terms of the way she assesses the forecast because the Masters has gotten dumped on and they did again with over two inches of rain and crazy storm fronts that started to come in Friday afternoon and just made things go crazy from there. 
That's right. And of course, we had trees falling down on the course as well. That was a close call. Thank God no one was injured in any way. Um, But that was just kind of terrifying to see that happen. They rightfully closed that course real fast when that happened. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll say that was a a near miss. And I mean, if that was freaking Tiger's group going through there between 16 green and 17 T, who's to say there wouldn't have been a squadron of people there? It was lucky that it missed people by inches. So, yeah, that that was a crazy close call. Uh, But shout out to the, the Augusta grounds crew, like better than maybe any organization in the entire face of the planet. They had they had that crap all cleaned up in like an hour, and we were ready to go. Yep. (laughs) Of course, we got to the weekend. We had the conclusion of round three and all of round four on Sunday. It was Rom and Kepka. Unfortunately, the amateur Sam Bennett, who was phenomenal with opening sixty eights on the first two rounds, just couldn't keep it going. Um, but just phenomenal play, still able to finish in a tie for 16th out of him. So it came down to uh, John Rom, poster boy of the PGA Tour, and Brooks Kepka, poster boy of Live Golf. Juicy. And I just have to say, Alex, it seemed like after 54 holes, Brooks Kepka just really struggled. Well, that, I mean, that argument can be thrown out there appropriately based on what we all saw with our eyes, especially on Sunday and the, and the long day that was because he did wear down. So you can make your 54 versus 72 whole jokes. Um, it was fascinating to see the live versus PGA tour um, head to head play out. The broadcast made very little noise of it at all. There was absolutely zero reference to it. And I'm sure that was per the instruction of Augusta National uh, and just let the drama play out. But but I appreciated what was happening because it was Brooks Kepka, a guy that is rather drama free, just going out there and doing his business all week. And, and just a couple of brooding linebacker looking guys uh, competing on the biggest stage in golf. It, it made for the theater that we were all hoping and, and hyping it up to possibly be this weekend. And that came to fruition. Yeah, I'm glad to see uh, John Rahm has donned a green jacket for his career. Certainly rightfully earned. He played phenomenally in that final round. Great during the whole week opening with that 65. Um, and so I know what your take is here, but I'm. it's odd that we had really Rahm kind of led the PGA Tour guys here. And then there was other guys on tour like Russell Henley. Yeah, I know. It's it's very Jordan Spieth doing such Jordan Spieth things on Sunday. He had to lure us in. Jordan Spieth (laughs) always has to lure you in for about 45 minutes of every Sunday at every major. He's not going to win. He's not going to win the major. But for about 45 minutes, you're doing the math on where Jordan Spieth can finish in the clubhouse to to win this thing. He does that every single year, I swear to God. But his 66 was bested by 52-year-old Phil (laughs) I.M. Live Golf Mickelson, who shot a 65, is the oldest man ever to finish in the top five at Augusta. Is this his best performance of the year, though? I mean, he says he's on the cusp of something great and that it's just to get the ball rolling yes. and he's going to do some more amazing things. Love that tease. Is he is he just throwing throwing on the fire here, or do you think that there's actual chance that Phil Mickelson is going to do something at the other majors this year? Is he finally going to get himself a career Grand Slam? I love how the stars align for the the karma and cosmic timing of this all, because you and I have diatribed at such great length how crappy Phil Mickelson's golf has been for the last <laughs> nine months since he since he switched to the Live Tour. All of that forgotten instantly as soon as he pours in a 65 on Sunday. It was fill the thrill back all over again. Like, like we just wipe all that clean and just forget how cruddy he's been playing the last several months. He gives you that little juice at Augusta. And then all of a sudden, you, you think, here, here, let's talk about the U.S. Open in June. Can he get it done? We're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to rev that engine back up again. It's so funny to see what just one day at Augusta to do for you. He was, he was lounging around, around par, a couple shots better all week, Mike, and then just comes through with lightning in a bottle and, and Phil Mickelson's just throwing him back into the conversation, you know, to all the, the haters and the naysayers of the way he's acted in the last year. It shows you a lot about his popularity that he can just do that in one day and just kind of win audiences back. It was a fascinating dichotomy with Phil Mickelson this week. I mean, I still think he's a he's a piece of shit. I'm sorry. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can absolutely think that and yeah. still be amazed by ha- the rabbit he pulled out. That was a rabbit out of the hat right there. <laughs> he, supposedly, he supposedly said nothing during Scotty Scheffler's he's champions. Quiet, yes. Supposedly, like didn't utter a word. Probably just sat there 
in the corner sulking the entire time. And then it took him until Sunday to still decide to actually speak up and say something about it. Um, but I, I don't I mean, I, I have more faith in Brooks Kepka doing something over the course of the year in the majors than I do in Phil Mickelson. That, yeah, that's a fair take. Um, and, and, and the other random one I got a shout out with, with the surprising live appearances on the board. Patrick Reed with just yeah. a quiet like fifth or sixth place finish. Again, a guy who's showed no form at all since he made the switch to the live tour pops up out of nowhere. And Mike, you know what that is? This is just we speak about this every year. This course and certain guys and familiarity and coming back here year after year after year, it just it seemingly doesn't even matter what sort of form you're in. You, you, you step back on the grounds at Augusta National and you just regain some sort of magical form that, that you previously had had missing. It's something about the yeah. track, but it's a magical place in many ways. And, and, and the past champions seem to show up always. Speaking of magical, can we just give a shout out to Freddie Couples making the cut? I mean, <laughs> did it again, man. <laughs> he did it I thought, again. I thought it would have been Bernard Longer, but. Freddie Couples ended up breaking yeah. Bernhard Langer's record at 63 years and a few months older uh, for the oldest guy to make the cut. Freddie Magic, silver hair. That that hair, Mike. It is. Go- We've watched it go go from from brown to black to uh, salt and pepper to silver, mm-hmm. and it's making its way towards white. But guess what? Fred Couples is still playing Sunday at the Masters, and yeah. we weren't. It's true. That's true. Uh, can, can we just shout out some other big names from the tour who did surprisingly poorly? Uh, Rory McIlroy, Justin mm, Thomas. Yeah. The Rory I mean, missed cut really surprised me. And then yeah. and then we'll follow up with him not playing this week very auspiciously. But uh, a weird aura around Rory. Again, we're, we lean on Rory at the Masters. We're like, all right, career grand slam time. You're playing well. Yeah. You're on every board. And then an, an auspicious miscut. Very strange stuff there. Yeah, and um, just looking through the rest of the year, then Scotty Scheffler just couldn't get it going. He he was what almost leading the the field in shots gained, tee to green, but but worst in the field in shots gained on the green. Yeah, so he he just could not putt, and yet he still was able to finish uh, in a top twenty. So it's pretty good for for just not yeah. having it on the greens at Augusta and still being able yeah. to limp into a top twenty. Shows shows you where his game is right now. And and I, I'm going to call right now, future Masters champion Sahith Thigala with that amazing chip in on 16 on Sunday. He's he's he, going to he, he'll win one of these one day. I'm just going to say nice right that, man. And he was definitely one of the darlings of the full swing documentary of love following his story from from just Monday qualifying a year or two ago to where he is now. And by the way. That was like straight up the tiger chip. He he straight yeah. up recreated yeah. that as closely as you could in a tournament round. Uh, so it was really cool to see someone pull off that shot as well. So the Masters is in the book. We'll talk about where they're headed for the next weekend in a little bit. But let's first talk about uh, what you got coming up, because there is a bunch of stuff going on in Texas, both in the LPGA Tour and the Champions Tour. And you've got some stuff set up to talk to people at these events. Indeed. Uh, A little update for you, and I don't even know if you realize this, so that we've been playing uh, what's now the Chevron Championship out there at Palm Springs. Remember the winner jumps into Poppy's Pond after they win in the water there? and Yeah. yeah, It's a great... great, It's not there anymore. Very Yeah, so they are moving it, but the good news is it's coming to my neck of the woods, so I'm I'm not exactly mad at that. It's coming to the golf club at Carlton Woods in the Woodlands, Texas, just north of Houston. Uh, So I'm going to be there on site for the practice rounds. I've caught up with a few LPGA players on the podcast, so be sure to check Check out the podcast archives for those interviews uh, and uh, looking forward to connecting with more LPGA players and, and first major championship for me in, in, in uh, 2023 as well. I went to the 2022 Masters, but good to be back at a major and have the LPGA uh, playing a big one in, in Texas now as well. Yeah, that, that'll be big. Who Who's your favorite right now? Who's going to win the Chevron? It's going to be a good question. <laughs> hmm. How about a Jin Young Kopik? How about that? Ooh, for, for just going yeah. outside the traditional name. You know we drop her name a lot because she yeah, finds a way every 8 to 12 weeks to, to get in the winner's circle. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll lead my pick off there. But I'll analyze. I'll watch the players in action. And I'll deliver I'll deliver some some more thorough picks next week as well. All right. And then, of course, there's a Champions Tour coming to Dallas as well and a loaded celebrity pro-am. I hope Freddie's there. I was just thinking about this. I just realized this. I was like, oh, I didn't even think about the players, too. I was I was so caught up on the celebrities, Mike. I, mm. I should be hunting down Bernhard Longer and Freddie Couples, too, right? Yeah, you should. It should be part of the game plan. Okay, yeah. So it's going to be a Champions Tour event in Dallas at La, uh, Las Colinas, Mike, uh, where they used to have the Byron Nelson when you were there. 
Um, yep. But they're they're playing a Champions Tour event there now. Uh, so lots of celebrity interviews coming soon. And hopefully, Mike, my goal is I'm working on a couple of former MLB players. I want to ask uh, some former MLB legends about the new rules and the pitch clock. I- I'm desperate to hear their answers and feedback uh, on their perspective being out of the game. Uh, so hopefully uh, I secure some of those interviews. Be sure to follow us on Instagram next week because that's where you're going to see who I get to interview first before you hear it on the, here on the podcast. Uh, we're at COL Podcast on IG and I'm at Course of Life Alex. So stay tuned for all that content uh, coming next week. All right, let's look ahead to the RBC Heritage at Harbor Town, just just under an hour or so from me in Hilton Head, just over the border in South Carolina. Uh, it is still a designated event. However, no Rory, no Will Zalatoris, because he's out for the rest of the year with back surgery that. today. Yeah. But Damn. Rory, what's, what's going on? Rory not going to play in another designated event. Strangely year. mysterious. Yeah, we may have some more information by the time the event tees off, but... An interesting look, and he, and he caught a little initial flack from the from the probers and the trolls on social media, obviously, because people are doing all the math and counting the numbers here. We weren't sure if a player like Rory was able to skip the designated events that he was, uh, so I'm sure there'll be a little bit more to follow up on that. But yeah, no Rory, and like you mentioned, no Wills Altors for the rest of the season due to that back injury and surgery that he had, but still a designated event. And I know you and I have a little soft spot for this. I was glad to see the RBC Heritage get that designated event status. Because yeah, we always kind of overlook this event the week after the Masters, but you and I know how beautiful of a setting and an event this is to watch. Uh, it's just got tough position on the calendar, but now that it's designated. We got a loaded field there, so I'm like, I'm excited to see some of the top names at this event that we traditionally haven't seen in years past. Yeah, John Rahm is supposed to be playing. I, I doubt hope it. He does. Yeah, I hope he says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scotty Scheffler making his tournament debut. And uh, Max Homa will be there as well. So we got we got some guys out there, and of course, defending champion Jordan Spieth will be will be back. That's right. He's always a threat there. It's a ball strikers yep. course. It's a shorter course. Chipping and putting a priority. Smallest greens on the PGA Tour as well too. Um, I, I like you know who I like is a player who also got in some controversy this past week. Patrick Cantlay. He finished runner up here last year. Plays. Lost in the playoffs. Super duper slow place, yep. Patrick Cantley. He's going to slow yes. play everyone to death at Harbor Town. He's going to win this week. There's, there's my. Can, call. We, I mean, can we do? I mean, you just talked about pitch clocks with the uh, the MLB players you're hoping to see at the pro am. Do we think we're going to get a putt clock or something so that Cantley can speed up? Seriously, I mean, we had that uh, that shot clock event on the European tour a couple of years ago in yeah. Belgium that they messed around with. I want that back. They got rid of that, by the way. But I would love to mess around with something like that in the future. I mean, Patrick Cantlay is sure going to be the first person to drive us over the edge if you saw the Masters. But shout out to John Rom for keeping his composure through all that, sitting on the tee, relaxing, waiting. Not, nothing like waiting on the golf course, especially when you're trying to win a Masters, right? Yep, exactly. Also, I just want to shout out a sponsor exemption at the RBC Heritage oh, okay. because it's Jim Furyk. Oh, man, that's your guy. Mm, we love yep. you some Jim Furyk. Two-time Heritage champion Jim Furyk. He's got a couple of those plaid jackets in his in his closet back home. So Here's the thing. This course, this course hasn't changed, Mike. It hasn't gotten a yeah. yard longer from the way it was 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah, this is not a long course. This is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is one of the shortest courses on tour I think that so. they play. Yeah. And so if Jim Furyk has got the accuracy down and if his putting's going well, look out. That's probably about Turk. 200 to 1 or 300 to 1 in Vegas. If you're out there listening and you're that's walking a, through the casino, that, that's your dollar like for the week. Right a buck. Yeah, I feel like that's a good buck to put down right there. <laughs> so you'll have your picks out uh, as out, yeah. well uh, on, uh, on, on uh, inst- not Instagram, on Twitter. Um, and uh, you'll run your pool article. We'll be up there as well for people to see. Indeed. I talked about the uh, Har- Harbor Town, the Heritage, and I did a little article about the live performance at Masters. So if you want to re- review a little bit more of that, check out runyourpool.com. Let's switch over to Tuned In, where we're sharing what we're tuning into outside of the world of sports. Uh, I started season two of Schmigadoon, which I think now we're going to call Schmicago. Um, so did you did you watch season one of Schmigadoon, Alex? No, but I remember the recap from season one. So I guess what, why the new name is the real question, and 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 what's going on with Chicago here? Well, Schmigadoon, of course, is set. It's when it's when they fall or you somehow get transported to a magical land. Let it's yeah. like all musicals of classic classic times of Oklahoma and the Music Man and everything. So Sounds it's fun. that world. 
So they left it. They found true love in themselves and they left it and they get married and they're now looking for a new spark. So they try to find it again. They stumble into Chicago, the next generation of musicals during the sexual revolution. And uh, so that's what's going to happen here. We're in Chicago. It's much darker than Schmigadoon. Darker uh, and a sexual revolution. That, that's an interesting mm-hmm. season two concept there. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we'll see where this goes. It's going to be interesting for sure. Love it. Chicago. Good stuff. Check that out if, you have, if you're not already. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was tuned into a new celebrity golfer that's just taken the internet by storm, Mike. And I'll, I'll give you a second to think about your favorite celebrity golfers. But mine right now is DJ Khaled, the, the hip-hop DJ influencer, producer that does no rapping at all. He just yells over the beats of his songs and commissions other artists to make him rich. And and he's done it. He's built an empire to the point where he can just golf every day now, Mike. He posts regularly about let's go golfing. He's golfing in hailstorms and rainstorms and absolutely nothing stops him. He posts his swing more than any player, influencer, or, or follower I've ever seen on Instagram. Uh, so the new sensation on IG is uh, the hip-hop mogul DJ Khaled golfing, uh, Mike. I don't know if you've seen DJ Khaled yeah. golfing, but who, who are your favorite uh, celebrities golfing these days? Uh, Pat Monahan. Mm, yes, good call out. at <laughs> t Pebble Beach Pro-Am veteran Pat Monahan. Yes, and former guest of this podcast, Pat that's Monahan. Right. That's right. Yeah, he would be a favorite of mine as well too. The one I'm enjoying a lot recently, and I'm not going to be able to catch up with him next week, but hopefully I see him soon. Is Alfonso Ribeiro? I can't get me enough of Carlton on the golf course. Love me some Carlton. <laughs> he still breaks out the dance every once in a while, and I know it's cheesy, and I know it's 30 years old, and I know it's played out, but I still love it when he does it. And, and Alfonso Ribeiro is quietly like a scratch golfer, so I'm, I'm enjoying following him these days as well. All right. Let's get into this week's guest, Alex. She's a friend of the show who we had back on in 2020. Do you remember 2020, Alex? Mm. 2020 lasted for about 20 years. I do. Yeah, that does feel like ages ago. It's funny because we kept in touch with this next guest for a while. But yeah, three years. Time flies, huh? Wow. We're talking about uh, MTV reality star and uh, MLB pitcher wife, baseball wife. Baseball wife, yeah. Brittany Baldy. That's right. She's got um, lots of updates in her life, um, yeah. not only on the baseball side with where her husband Ryan is playing currently, but her career. And yeah, I, I always have to ask those questions. You know, people that were like on a reality show in like a past life, will they, would they ever consider going back on? I asked that question to Brittany. So fascinating chat with a friend of the show here. We'll get to that conversation with Brittany in just a moment. But first, we want to remind you about our some of our best friends in the golfing business, and that is the guys at Desert Fox Golf. They've been friends of the show since almost the beginning, and they've stuck around with us through thick and thin, and it's because they uh, they love us and we love them, and we really do love their phone caddy. Uh, you know, we, we talk about a lot of different things on this podcast, but it's the first thing I take out of my bag when I put that bag on the back of a cart. The phone caddy comes out, it gets strapped right onto the cart, keeps my phone nice and safe, and then I'm also taking out my uh, Swing A tumbler to keep a little extra water in there in addition to maybe a Gatorade or something I'm drinking on the side. Uh, So I've got all my Desert Fox stuff with me. And we love it so much, and we want you to love it too. And you can save 10% off anything at Desert Fox. They've got some uh, other great things going on there as well. They've got some sharp towels. And I do really love, Alex, their, their Desert Fox logo. It's just, mm, it's yes, just you can't super go wrong with the snazzy orange fox. That's right. And, and we'll be seeing phone caddies left and right for the guests that I interview next week. So look forward to giving them mm. out to the, the faithful as well. There you go. So you can save 10% off your purchase of anything at desertfoxgolf.com with the promo code Course of Life. Saves you 10%. Again, like I said, everything, the phone caddy, any color, the patriotic line as well, their golf towels, their swing aid tumblers. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. DesertFoxGolf.com, promo code Course of Life to save 10%. Again, that's promo code Course of Life at DesertFoxGolf.com. Next up, we have a longtime friend of the show here to update us on her and her husband's life. Her fame dates all the way back to early MTV days, but now she's a baseball wife and an in-game host and MC as well. It's Brittany Baldy-Dull joining us on the Course of Life. Brittany, how's everything with you? 
Hey, Alex, thank you so much for having me today. I know things have been a little bit hectic on my end and we've been trying to catch up and reconnect and I'm very happy that I was able to carve out some time to join you guys today. I know it's been a bit since we last formally spoke on the course of life. I think it's been about two years, but we've stayed in touch and obviously a lot has changed. So let's update our listeners first. Um, I have to unofficially start with my first post-wedding congratulations to you. Um, You got married to uh, your husband, Ryan Dole, who we've had on the podcast as well, professional baseball player. We'll get into everything the two of you are doing from a baseball perspective, Uh, but just uh, looking back on the wedding and how everything went for you, what what are some of your favorite memories of the day? Yeah. So the wedding was what most people, I guess, can imagine when it comes to the big day, a little bit chaotic, hectic, but lots of fun. Um, The day absolutely flew by. What was special about Ryan and I's wedding was we specifically got married on 11-11, so November 11th. And we chose that date because one, it has a spiritual meaning. And then two, it was also Ryan's college uh, baseball number. It's also his number currently with the High Point Rockers, nice. which is which is very exciting. So we chose the date 11-11 specifically for that reason or the multiple reasons. We also did a three-day wedding weekend, which was really fun. The reason why we decided to do that was... We had probably 85% of our wedding guest list come in from out of town. So naturally, naturally, with that being said, I had family coming from Florida, friends coming from Florida, Massachusetts, New Hampshire. Ryan had family and friends coming from um, other states and other parts of the United States. So uh, we decided to get married in North Carolina. This is where my husband is from, and this is where a good chunk of his family still lives. Um, But with that being said, we wanted to do a three-day weekend because we wanted people to A, get more time with us, and B, we wanted people's vacations to be worthwhile. So Friday night, we kicked off... um, Or sorry, we got married on a Friday night, so let me back it up a little bit. Thursday night, we had our wedding rehearsal dinner at the High Point Rockers baseball stadium which was really cool. So we had a big, yeah. So we had a big welcome video and like photos and stuff on the jumbotron. And our dinner was a North meets the South style in the sense that obviously he's from the South. I'm from up North. So we did like clam chowder and lobster rolls to represent the North. And then we did a mix of, um, broccolini and pulled pork and, uh, banana bread pudding to represent the South. So it was really fun to have our close friends and family come join us at the High Point Rockers baseball stadium, Truist Point Stadium, and get to experience some of our inner workings. Um, So that was great. And then we got married, obviously, that Friday night um, at Childress Vineyards in Lexington, North Carolina. And then that following day, preceding the wedding, we all got up and went to um, Top Golf in Charlotte, which is one of the biggest cities in North Carolina. And the reason why we chose Top Golf was when Ryan and I first started dating, one of our very first dates together was actually at Top Golf in right. Florida. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. So we kind of uh, incorporated letting people inside of our lives for that full three-day weekend. And it was uh, a lot of fun. Nice. You worked golf and do it full three days for everyone there. It sounds like a lot of fun. And one thing that our wedding weekends did have in common as well, too, I know it all worked out in the end for you, so we can laugh about it now, but uh, we had a little bit of a wedding wedding day weather worry. There was some sort of storm that was that was threatening your, the, your, your wedding weekend. How'd you guys make it through all that? Oh, wow. I'm sorry to hear that that uh, affected you and your wife as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. We got married just in time. The rain was there earlier in the day, but it cleared up just in time for us. So all things work out in the end. Yeah, that ended up happening with us. So it's funny, right? Like I ended up pretty stressed out over that situation because again, we originally planned to get married outdoor. There was a nice gazebo. It's a vineyard. Um, and like the stress of some of my family members were like, Hey, I can't come now because there's a tropical storm in some areas, a hurricane brewing in other areas. And I jokingly 
said, wow, did I manifest this because I wanted a tropical beachy feel to the wedding day. And I'm like, I didn't want a freaking tropical storm on our wedding day. I just <laughs> wanted people to be able to wear like beach dresses and right. have fun. And so that's kind of like the running joke now. But yeah, to your point where we kind of had to like switch plans last minute, we ended up getting married indoor, which was very pretty and gorgeous anyways, near the fireplace. Um, and yeah, we had to like take photos and chase the weather and chase the sunshine. And we got really lucky where, uh, we had just enough sunshine or overcast where we were able to like run outside, take photos, go back in. And it's funny because within the last like hour and a half of our wedding, it's like the storm kind of just like went away. And I remember Ryan and I, we took like a couple private moments outside to like, kind of just like self-reflect and kind of hug each other and just like look up at the stars. It's like all the cloudiness went away, all the rain went away. And it was just like an open sky with stars. And it was just like so pretty and you could see the moon. And I was like, wow, is this kind of like a a metaphor for like us having to weather the storm for the X amount of years that we are living and being married together, you know? So definitely. Yeah. You made it to it the, the finish line. You got a, you got a new start now, a new start on life. That was a very cool end of the wedding day. Good stuff. I love that. Um, and, and, uh, talking about kind of where your new life is now, North Carolina, you mentioned briefly. So Ryan's background is in North Carolina. I know yours is similar to mine that we both originally from Massachusetts, but, uh, tell me, um, how everything came to be, uh, with settling down. Down and putting roots down in North Carolina where you are now? Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting situation. Obviously I'm from Massachusetts, just like you previously mentioned. We for a while sat down and kind of made a Venn diagram of where we wanted to plant our roots. So we had New England up there. We had Florida there. We had North Carolina there. And originally we actually picked Florida. And the reason for that is obviously year round, nice weather, um, I love to snorkel. I love the beach. I'm, I grew up on the coast. Um, for those of you guys that listen, for those of you guys that are listening that aren't familiar with Massachusetts, a lot of that state is by the water. So I naturally love the ocean. Um, so we originally, about a year and a half ago, actually bought a house in Florida, but the home did not pass inspection. So we kind of pulled our down payment and decided, hey, you know, oh, wow. we're not going to waste money on this. So after we got married and having speaking to a bunch of our friends and family, it was my father-in-law, Mr. Frankie Dell. He was like, Britt, you know what? Like you guys are thinking about starting a family. You both work here. Um, you have, you have us here. Your in-laws can help you out when it comes to raising a family or whatever the case may be. So why don't you guys consider staying here? And I thought about it and I was like, you know what? He, that makes a lot of sense. So I kind of pulled my head out of the gutter, kind of took Florida off the map. And we decided down the road, maybe at some point we'll get like a second home there or a condo or visit. But we decided on North Carolina for those specific reasons where it's kind of the middle ground, right? For both Massachusetts and Florida. It is, and, yeah, definitely. And then we have great weather here. Like we still have the four seasons, but it's more mild than Massachusetts. When it comes to the wintertime, we don't really get a lot of snow. We don't really get the ice. Um, and then on top of that, again, with wanting to start a family soon, I'll have the help from family and friends. And we both work in High Point. So what would have been the point to buy a house elsewhere if it was going to sit for eight, eight or nine months during baseball season? Yeah, definitely. The baseball season is is a commitment. Let's talk about what it's like now. So the High Point Rockers is the, the club that Ryan's currently playing for. And Ryan Dole, your husband, has had tons of experience in the game, played his entire life and had Major League Baseball experience for several years. Um, talk to me about, the for your husband, the opportunity that the High Point Rockers presents for him to continue on with his baseball career. Yeah. So both of us currently work for the High Point Rockers. They are an independent team. It is an independent league called the ALPB. Um, it is actually partnered with the MLB. So every now and again, you will see people or players uh, brought up to um, big league affiliate teams, which is kind of awesome. So a lot of the guys that are playing within that league are either a just there for fun because maybe it's the latter half of their career and they just want to enjoy another couple seasons or B maybe it's a kid right out of college who might not have gotten drafted. Um, but they want to take a crack out of playing professionally to see if they get a look, um, or C it could be a situation like Ryan where, 
He is potentially on that cusp of retiring within the next two to four to five seasons, but wants to see if maybe he'll get some looks from some MLB affiliates because he is still playing at a high level and competing very well. Um, so yeah, there's like a multitude of reasons why players are in that league. Um, it's very competitive. You do see a lot of players like you just mentioned that are either with the MLB previously, um, or right out of college or something like that. So they, it is a professional league. It is very competitive. Um, they do travel and yeah. So like I mentioned with Ryan's type of situation, um, it has allowed him to continue his career. He last season was the closer for the team. Um, I don't know what his role will be this year. If he is there again, he is still a free agent, so he could get a call anytime between now and the season starts. Um, so we aren't really sure where he's going to be, but in the event that he's not picked up with a big league affiliate, he will be with the rockers. And yeah, I guess that just means him taking another crack at, uh, his career and hoping for the best. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's good to see him continuing on. And I love seeing his involvement with the, uh, the youth camps and clinics as well, too. How did those come to be about? Is that something he's been doing annually or what's the background on the camps and clinics he's been involved with? Yeah. So Ryan loves to give back every year. I think he's been doing it. Don't quote me on it, but I want to say at least four to six years now. He started doing it before we were dating. So, and we've been together for at least we're going on our fourth year. So it's got to have, it has to have been at least five or six years now, but Ryan and his agent, his brother, um, a lot of the local coaches, what they like to do is once a year, whether that be in the fall or the spring, whenever it fits their scheduling, of course, they like to get a group of kids together, usually 20 to 40 kids, where um, all the proceeds go back directly to uh, Kernersville Little League, which is where Ryan actually started his baseball career. Very cool. Um, So what Ryan does is it's like a little, it's like a fun, cute, fundamental camp. Um, It's young kids. So Um, They're not doing anything too drastic, but like they're doing like basic base running and learning how to catch like a pop fly and some little pitching mechanics and fun stuff like that. So it's just a fun way for the community to kind of get together, have a fun day. Usually Ryan will do giveaways or sign autographs, um, ask the kids get to ask questions at the end and they get pizza, they get snacks. So it's just a great way for the kids kind of to get together, but also all the funds that are generated, again, go right back toward to the local Little League. Very cool. Yeah. Again, it's Brittany Baldy Dole joining us. Brittany Baldy, B-A-L-D-I on Instagram. If you want to follow along with her journey in broadcasting, her podcast and everything baseball related as well too. So I, I mentioned what Ryan's doing with the High Point Rockers. Let's talk about your role as in-game M- MC, which is very interesting to me because I know what the vibe is like at, at minor league ballparks. I go to the Round Rock Express games here in Texas and, and there's a lot of really cool, innovative ways to, to make the baseball experience fun. I'm curious uh, what your role is like night in and night out for the club and and how it differentiates game to game sure so i absolutely love my role with the rockers it is a great way for me to a get to know the community of high point a little bit better but b get to showcase my skills and my talents and just be able to do something that i'm very passionate about and love um so how i got that job was kind of uh interesting i'm on a website called teamwork sports i don't know for those of you guys that are listening that are thinking about maybe getting a job in sports it's a really great great website that there you uh, go. You, it's a good source it's like yeah it's like a linkedin basically for sports jobs so long story short i remember browsing my emails one day and i got a notification for the rockers and i was like hmm i didn't even think about working for the team Um, because my podcast has been pretty successful. And I was like, you know what, let me just go ahead and email the GM or somebody at the team and see if they're looking for whatever, right? Broadcasting or something that fits my description. So long story short, I just randomly emailed them. They actually had an opening. I sent my reel and I ended up landing the gig as the on-field host last year. And I will be coming back this year, which I'm really excited about. But as far as my actual role with the team, what I do is if there's like a long home game stretch, I will write up a bunch of scripts. Um, part of them are game related. Part of them are uh, fun lifestyles type stuff that can be popped up on the Jumbotron or popped up within the broadcast. So I 
create a lot of content for not only the Jumbotron and the broadcast, but I also will do a lot of the live in-game stuff, as you have mentioned, Alex, where okay. in between in between the innings, I'll go out there, we'll play like Dizzy Bat with the kids, we'll do something fun called Rocker Ball, we'll do giveaways, <laughs> nice. we'll shout out like the sponsors, we'll do like the t-shirt tosses, all of that fun stuff. So um, it's just a fun way for me to, uh, like I said, be passionate about something that I enjoy doing and Um, I only work home games. I know a lot of people wonder if I get to travel with the team. No, I do not. It is all just the home games. And I will be working, I think, a little bit in the front office this year. Uh, So that'll be a lot of fun. But um, yeah, it's great. And it kind of goes hand in hand with my podcasts as well. Yeah, it does. Very cool. It's the Boss Babes podcast. um, And you highlight everything from the world of sports and you get to highlight your your broadcasting with the team as well. I'm curious, you mentioned all those uh, awesome in-game moments that they have like Dizzy Bat and things like that. What's your favorite in-game segment at the Rockers games currently? I think my favorite game is probably, I like to call it the fan favorite because everybody loves to see it. So last year happened usually during the seventh or the eighth inning. So towards the end of the game, we play something called rocker ball where it's these big, like giant blow up balls and they go up over your body. So you're standing up inside of them. They almost look like a hamster wheel that you're standing inside of. Oh yes. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, And like, you basically have to like run and charge and try to knock the other person over. And it's the best two out of three. And I'm telling you, like, especially towards the end of a game, if it's like a college night and the fans are going crazy, they've had a couple beers, like everybody gets rowdy and it's a lot of, a lot of fun, especially like getting the, uh, the fans involved because what we do is at the start of each game, we'll go around and kind of ask, um, age appropriate, right? Like who wants to play what game? So we usually get younger kids for like dizzy bat. We'll usually get people 18 plus for, um, rocker ball and the t-shirt toss obviously it can be anybody or any age. So it's definitely fun, but yeah, I think rocker ball is one of my favorites and I know the rockers fans do love rocker ball as well. Yeah, and there could be a lot of collisions uh, with that game in the outfield, especially late in the night. I think that could be a favorite of mine as well at Rockers games. Uh, one other thing I wanted to shout out, Brittany, regarding your Boss Babes podcast was a recent episode you did. Speaking of awesome minor league baseball experiences, uh, you got to have a member of the Savannah Bananas on your show. Um, tell everyone what that experience is like for people who haven't even heard of the Savannah Bananas, bananas yet as well. Sure, sure. So if you guys are interested, and in, obviously you listen to Alex's Course of Life podcast, which is amazing. Uh, my podcast is called The Boss Babes with one S. So it's the B-O-S-B-A-B-E-S, short for Boston, of course. Um, you can find my podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you want to listen to my episode with Jackson Olson or anybody else on there. Um, so that episode with Jackson Olson was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed getting to know a little bit about him um, and the team and kind of how that league kind of runs. It's not really a league, actually. I think there's only like two teams that play against each other. Um, They're an exhibition style uh, baseball league, I guess you would call it. It's quite the show, yeah. Yeah, they kind of just like travel around. It's like a circus meets the baseball Um, All the guys are either former pros um, or played at high levels um, in college or played in the Cape League, which is where actually Jackson Olson came from. He's the third baseman for the Savannah Bananas. Um, But I just thought he would be an excellent interview because a lot of people, as you mentioned, Alex, don't really know much about the Savannah Bananas other than you see their fun stuff on TikTok or Instagram and you're kind of like, hmm, like, why is this guy out here in a top hat and why is the umpire dancing around and why does it look like a circus, but it's baseball. So I've kind of always been intrigued. I have not yet been able to go to a game yet. Um, I do find it interesting that they're traveling to, I think like 20 or 30 plus different cities. And it's just, it looks like a really fun, cool experience for kids. Definitely. Yeah. 
my my co-host Michael will be listening to this and loving it because he lives in Savannah and has had the joy of going to a game. So uh, we're big Bananas fans on the podcast and glad to see you highlighting a player there. Um, let's talk quickly about a little bit of Boston sports storyline because I know that's our original background. I, I know that life is very different for Patriots fans uh, three years removed from letting go of the GOAT, Tom Brady, and, and we're the biggest Tom Brady fans there are out there. I'm curious, what, what are your thoughts after this now second retirement here? What, what do you think is is coming up next for Tom Brady in in the years to come? I know. Oh my gosh. It was, I won't say it was a shock. I knew at the beginning of the season that he was most likely or more than likely going to retire. Oh yeah. Um, It's one of those things where every athlete, no matter how good you are, you have a shelf life, right? Whether that be a, you're aging and phasing out and you have newer talent coming in. Like you have Patrick Mahomes, you have Joe Burrow, you have all these people, right? With the fresh arms, the fresh legs, the game's getting a little bit faster. It's changing a little bit. So you have that element to it. And then you have the element of family, right? Like a big thing with Tom Brady and a lot of athletes, Ryan included, again, we talk about getting married and having a wife and kids, your priorities start to change. So with that being said, obviously I don't know Tom Brady personally, but I think his decision to retire and kind of focus on potentially his family, maybe either A, getting back with his wife or B, starting to date around if that's something that he chooses to do or just kind of like, I think he needs to take a couple of years to just mentally sit down and reflect and kind of like look at and think about all these awesome things that he's just accomplished in the NFL the last 20 plus years after him not even supposed to be playing in the NFL. I mean, you, everybody already knows like the Brady six story and how people called him lanky and not fast and, and, and wimpy and not strong and all these crazy, uh, things that obviously turned out to not be true because he's the greatest of all time from what we've seen. So, um, it just goes to show you that like anything can happen. Um, and I don't mean to get off topic. I'll switch back to Tom Brady, but actually Ryan and I last night, and it was really good. We watched uh, Kurt Warner. I watched his story last night. And I think it was like a movie documentary style. I think it was called Kurt Warner. Oh yeah, he went from uh, bagging groceries to winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, the American underdog story. And that was really good because kind of sort of similar to Tom Brady in the sense where obviously Tom Brady, I don't think struggled with poverty or anything, but kind of wasn't the best quarterback when he was younger, kind of was just like overlooked. And then all of a sudden winning Super Bowls and doing all these crazy feats. But um, needless to say, Ryan and I actually got to go to the Tampa Bay Bucks game. It was um, January 1st of this year. So 2023, Ryan and I made it our point. We're like, hey, he's most likely going to retire. Let's go try to see one of his last Seriously, uh, yeah. games. So we actually – landed that perfectly where we went to the Bucks game. They were actually playing the Carolina Panthers in Tampa. And uh, yeah, that, that was great. I think what he has in store for him is, I mean, we've all kind of seen that he's probably going to get into broadcasting and obviously he has the Brady brand and all of these things, right? The sky is the limit for that guy at this point because he has so much under his belt and he's met so many people over the years and so much credibility that honestly, sky's the limit. That's my opinion on it. I know. And you're so right that he should take some time to reflect on everything amazing he's done. Unfortunately, I can just tell the way he's wired. He's just, he just has a hard time sitting still for, for that long. <laughs> I hope he does take that time to give himself that perspective. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what, what his next moves are. Um, Brittany, before we do sign off, I, I love asking because I know in, in, a, in a past life as well, too, you have uh, your original fame where I originally encountered you was on MTV, um, obviously being featured on the challenge are you the one through MTV productions? I'm curious after all these years, I see you do still have, you know, fans from your MTV days reaching out. What do you hear uh, most often from them? And what do they, what do they bring up in 2023? Is it, is it you being back on? Is it you doing reunion podcasts? Uh, what, what do the fans ask you most from an MTV standpoint? Yeah. So a lot of fans will either slide in my DMS or I'll get tagged in various memes or posts where they're, like super fans, right? Or whether it's on Reddit or like a Instagram feed and they're like, Hey, we want to see Brittany and so-and-so back on the challenge or all-stars or whatever. So there is that hope that one day I could potentially be casted again. I mean, you look at like the all-star season, um, that they've done multiple seasons that is now out on Paramount plus 
Um, and I think I would enjoy being on those shows a little bit better than being on the flagship show that is on MTV. The reason why I say that is also, I don't mean to be plugging my own podcast, but I recently had on a good friend of mine who is a veteran on the challenge. Um, her name is John A. Mannion. I just dropped a two-part podcast episode with her on my podcast. And on that show, we actually talk about her um, being adopted as a kid and going through that whole saga, getting married, living in LA and all of her seasons on the challenge. And the reason why I bring her up is she was completely retired, didn't want to go back, had no mm. like liking to being on the challenge ever again. But with this new series like the all-stars, I guess they film a lot faster. So you're only gone for like month, month and a half versus the, like the two to four months that you're gone. Um, so I think I would enjoy potentially competing on that type of a series because again, like we talk about with Tom Brady and all these people, priorities start to change as you get older. I'm married now. I want to start a family at some point. I have a dog. We have a house. It's not like I'm in my twenties where it didn't matter if I was gone for four five, six months. I didn't have that many bills. I was right out of college. So, um, yes, to your point, the fans do ask me if I would ever go back and compete. Yes, I would love to. It also depends where I'm at because, uh, again, if I'm pregnant or if I have a kid, more than likely I can't go back right away. Um, And then, again, to supplement that, I do talk about the challenge sometimes on my podcast, on other podcasts like yours. And... I will never forget that experience. I thought it was awesome. And I kind of wish I had the opportunity to compete on it years ago, but I just never got that opportunity again. No, that's okay. I mean, yeah, I think the door is always open there. And just for a generation of MTV fans, we know the history behind the challenge. So it's really cool to see you be a part of that. And hopefully you are again one more time as well. Um, Shout out to Decker as well, too. How's Decker doing well? Yeah. So my dog Decker is awesome. He's actually been limping a little bit, which kind of stinks. I don't know if he like stepped on something weird or what's going on. Our our dog Decker, he just turned five. He's a yellow English lab. He's absolutely adorable. I post about him all the time on my social media. So thank you for asking about him. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He goes on a lot of our trips with us and he loves to swim. So at our new house, we have a pool. He's going to be swimming his little booty off this summer. And we actually, this is a really cool thing. So we actually made a custom bedroom for him in our house. Ryan thought of the idea. Yeah. Like, uh, there's actually a TV show called animal cribs where they like deck out bedrooms for dogs and animals. (laughs) Yes. So what we did was we actually took uh, a closet. So it's like a bigger style closet and we ripped the door off. We put on a baby gate and inside of it is like a big bed. It kind of looks like a sofa. We have a red nameplate that says Decker we have like four or five like family photos in there of us and his stuffed animals. And I'm waiting on some lamb chop decals to go in his room because he loves lamb chop. We have like the little lights on the side of his bedroom that like you tap them and the light turns on. So he has like a stand up fan, that little, that little boy's got it going on. <laughs> what a setup indeed. I think that's better than my own bedroom setup actually. Now that, now that I think about it, the Decker's world indeed, isn't it? It's Decker's world and we're just all living in it. Uh Uh, Brittany, let's wrap with our 19th hole question, but I'm going to put a high point rocker spin on it for you since the baseball season's getting going really soon for you. Uh, I'm curious, what's your, what's your favorite food or what's the best option uh, for the concession stand? If you're going to a high point rockers game, what's your favorite thing to get? So I guess this is going to be a biased answer. So if you're into like hot dogs, chicken fingers, burgers, they have all of those things. Usually because I'm working, I like to eat dinner before I go just because I'm running around so much. But the fans, I always see them with like the nachos, the burgers, the beer, all that stuff. I unfortunately don't have time to eat any of it because I'm running around so much, but it looks and smells delicious. I have had the chicken fingers. They're really good. What I do like to get, especially during the really hot months, I mean, you know, because you live in Texas. I'm a big fan of Dippin' Dots. So if you guys don't know what Dippin' Dots are, they're like these little cups of ice cream, but it's not even really ice cream. They like freeze dry it somehow with like liquid nitrogen and they make these little like ice cream balls. And I love it because when it's a really hot day and I need to like coat my throat and I'm running around, I love to just get me some Dippin' Dots in between an inning, kind of just like savor it, walk around. And yeah, I just love like the different flavors and it's so cold. 
um, Dippin' Dots is my thing during the baseball season. I try to, I try not to get them every day because obviously that's not healthy, but I make it my point to get Dippin' Dots at least like two times a week. Nice. Well, the nice part about Dippin' Dots is it's one of those things where you don't see it everywhere. So when you do come across Dippin' Dots, especially at a baseball game, it's quite a vibe. You got to choose it. So great pick indeed. Brittany, thank you so much for hopping on the course life. I appreciate getting the life update and the baseball update as we head into the season for you. And anyone out there, if you're in North Carolina and you're heading through High Point, uh, be sure to hit up Brittany when you're heading to a game. Thanks again for joining us. Awesome. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me on. And I'd be more than happy to join you whenever. Hope you guys enjoy the baseball season and have a rocking summer. And we're back. Great chat there with Brittany Baldy. I, I have to completely agree about my Savannah banana. I don't even want to call them my Savannah banana. The Savannah <laughs> you bananas. just claimed them. I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. They are the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. It is not about baseball. It is about an entertainment experience that just happens to be on a diamond. <laughs> yes, well said. Uh, a show with a side of baseball, if you will. And I, I think there's more baseball with the High Point Rockers where Brittany is, but it's cool bringing some of that show and, and fun family vibe uh, to the ballpark. Uh, and it's really cool to get the update on life uh, from Brittany in North Carolina. Looks like they're settling really nicely there. And uh, good to see Ryan still throwing gas as well, too. So really cool to connect again with Brittany. Uh, she's a great recurring guest on the show, and we love having all sorts of different guests from the world of golf, sports, media, and beyond. Uh, be sure to give us a follow if you're uh, listening right now and you've yet to subscribe. Be sure to smash that subscribe button on IG again at COL Podcast, at MWRINC, and at Course of Life, Alex. All right, let's uh, let's get into it, Alex. Let's, do it. let's, let's take celebrate. A it's time. Now. Our Quinnipiac University Bobcats, yes, we're going to toot our own horn for probably about 15 or 20 minutes here, everyone, so buckle in, are the NCAA Division I men's ice hockey champions. We are we national champions about, forever. Unbelievable. I, I, I don't want to talk about the game, even though a 3-2 come from behind overtime victory 10 seconds into OT was just spectacular to awesome. watch. I think I had about 20 different heart attacks during the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, th and that's saying something because I go through the, the, the hardest of heart attacks when I'm watching sports. And yeah. you'll see me crazy text you for some stuff. And you, I know on the other end, you're like, all right, Alex, it's just a Patriots regular season game. Like, calm down. Yeah. But like the way you were texting me, it reminded yeah. me of the NFL playoffs. That, that's how I knew you were going crazy on the other end. Yeah, it was, it was just a spectacular game to watch. <laughs> um, and, and I think what's, you know, I'm thinking about what it what it means as an alum of of a school to win a championship, something that yeah. I think we never thought we would experience and be able to say that, hey, our school won a national championship. Um, and and the other thing I think about is how Rand Pecknell, the head coach of this team, who was hired in 1994 when we were, in his words, a bad D3 hockey team. Absurd. Who practiced at midnight at a public rink. And played and on, in go, a high school rink until yeah. our freshman, sophomore year of college yeah. as well. And and went from that in 1994 to now the national champions of D1 college hockey in, in like almost 30, just under 30 years. How can you not say Rand Pecknold is the greatest coach in college hockey? That That's the best build in, in college hockey and, and maybe in yeah. all college sports, we'd have to compare sport by sport and seeing what other programs have done, but to ascend that way in that manner to go all the way from literal barn team yeah. to, to national championships. Unbelievable. And the other thing that can't be overlooked is, you know, why in the world wouldn't Rand Pecknold leave at any juncture of this ascent? The, he, there are so many opportunities where a coach like that could leave and go to greener grass and say, I built this here. Congrats. I'm going to go take a raise and go to X university, name your big 10 school. There were probably countless opportunities through him throughout these decades. And at every single juncture, he continued to continue to stay with Quinnipiac is the ultimate form of loyalty in sports. I, I mean, it's, it's incredible. And that that's where to me, uh, after after the overtime winner, the they've cut to Rand Pecknold and the coaching staff uh, on the bench, and yeah. he you could his 
his pure joy and elation and almost relief of finally getting what he so rightfully deserved. And then in his interview on the ice just shortly after, just such a wholesome moment standing there and just not being able to vocalize what had happened and asking for a hug. Um, I'm honestly getting teary eyed again, just thinking about that moment. There he is. He's that, well enough. I love it. I love it. Um, but it, this is, I mean, it, people knew who we were before, maybe for our polling Institute, Sure, yep. but I, I also love the moment that came out from some of the players after the game of this, like, what do they say about us? All oh, they say, we don't play anybody. And that's what they've always, you know, there's always been the haters against Quinnipiac. We were the underdog in the first Frozen Four game against Michigan, even though we were the overall number two seed. We've been in the top three all season. We're a perennial top 10 team since we first made the Frozen Four in 2013. You can't say we're not any good, and you certainly can't say it anymore. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a program like that in any sport, and any any college fan or fan of a school will relate is, you know, you're you're overlooked until you're not. And and that yeah. pinpoint has hit. We've hit that pinpoint at this moment right here. There, there's officially no more overlooking Quinnipiac University as a hockey program forever. And just for anyone out there in whatever school you went to, on a, on a relatable note, you know, no matter what school you went to, the idea of your school competing for a national championship and, and putting themselves on the pedestal as being the absolute best program at any given sport whether it be football, basketball, hockey, golf, bowling, soccer, water polo. I don't care. <laughs> Celebrate them all because they all do matter. These are lifelong athletes that have worked their craft to this point to get there. Um, I, you, you, Neither you or I have ever been the biggest hockey fans. It's never been our number one sport, but we knew from the moment we stepped on that campus and started going to those games that hockey was a culture with Quinnipiac, and since then we've yeah. probably been fans, and it's been amazing to see it all pay off. Yeah, of course, we were there in 2005 was when we first got on campus when Quinnipiac joined the ECAC. We were still playing at the Northford Ice Pavilion. What a POS that was to be playing in. And then we opened uh, the at the time it was called the TD Bank North Sports Center. Yep. Now it's called I don't it's know what it's five still, other names now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yep. It's still called some sort of bank. It's still still named after a bank, thankfully. So it's still the bank. Um, and. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this, that I, for whatever dumb reason, when I was with the uh, student TV station, Q30 television, um, at the first game that we did, the Q30 TV did at the stadium ice hockey game, I, for whatever reason, was a color commentator for that game. Great memory. I didn't know a thing about hockey, but I was there calling it. <laughs> I don't remember who we played or what the result of the game was, but I was there. <laughs> My God, did I have some conflict? How did I not get that spot in the booth that day, Mike? You know, you, you were doing radio then. You never did yeah. the TV stuff. You did the radio stuff. So. Yeah, so uh, fun memories indeed. But just you know, to 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 wrap up, we we've seen this program from literal birth and genesis to what it is now. It's a tribute to Pe Coach Pecknoll and the entire staff there. Uh, just a thrilling national championship moment you couldn't have scripted any better the adversity of being down to nothing and coming back and winning immediately in overtime unbelievable achievement for our bobcats shout out to all the bobcats out there that are listening this one is for you guys and and raise one more if you haven't already up there for for our qu bobcats all right, let's hashtag always end with food. Yes, food segment to end every Course of Life podcast. We love talking food here on the show. Always end with food on Instagram if you want to see our random food journeys and pics and everything like that. Uh, we just passed Easter, and I mm -hmm. did a very hungry grocery shop last week. So I went a little nuts, and I got the, the big what I would consider the big three of Easter candy, the Cadbury cream eggs, the Reese's eggs, and the Peeps. Are, are you out on Peeps, or do you, do you like Peeps or hate Peeps? I would not buy a peep, but if you handed me a peep, I would maybe eat it. Yeah. So Is it a chocolate covered peep or just a straight peep? Straight peep, man. Straight peep. Mm. Yeah. I know. And you know what? I, I love marshmallows, but the peeps are just, I don't know. It's a risk. They're just I only take it once a year for Easter. So I did it in the moment and they're half gone now. But I guess the question beckoned to me is, what is the best candy holiday? Is it the Easter candy? You know, if you just give each holiday maybe a big three or think about what their hits are. I'm thinking about Easter candy. I'm thinking about Valentine's Day candy. I'm thinking about, obviously, Halloween candy. I'm thinking about Christmas candy. Are there any candy holidays that I'm missing, and which one would you put at the top there? I don't I don't think you're missing any. Those are the big ones, um, yeah. I, but when I, if I'm going to pick one, though, I'm, I'm probably going Christmas candy because Christmas is when you get 
this is going to sound really bougie of me. Yep. Like the fancier candies mm. at Christmas. OK, yeah, because you're going to get like to me, it's all about lint truffles and growing. And I don't know if it's a New Hampshire thing because the lint factory is in New Hampshire, <laughs> but that. it's like and, and, and it was either that or is that my my parents went to some silent auction in the late fall or early winter and always won a, a gift basket of lint truffles and then divvied it up to the stockings every year. So. It's just lint truffles and Christmas go hand in hand you're to me. You're sponsored so by I lint just, truffles, aren't you? Right. Well, you're just you're getting sponsorship deals behind my back now. Unbelievable. If, if lint wants to actually just send me like a big bag of truffles every month, I will just say that you're the best all the time. Say the words, Mike. I'm on it. Let's <laughs> make it happen. Um, but yeah, to me, Christmas candy because that's what at least what I associate with Christmas. Yeah, and I love that peppermint flavor too. The chocolate peppermint combo, pretty undefeated. It's just the the uh, the cream eggs hit nice this time of year. Very temporarily mm. though, so uh, I was enjoying. Why didn't you get any jelly beans, beans though? I have to ask that question. It's funny you mentioned that me, because in uh, all yeah. of my Easter baskets as a kid, there were jelly beans. Just a complete omission on my end. Just completely yeah. not jelly belly. I don't like jelly bellies. I don't think they're. That's not a jelly bean to me. The new the move, Mike, thing. now is that everyone gives each other troll the troll jelly beans, where you think it's like a a cherry jelly bean, but yeah, in reality, no, it's like no. a lava firecracker jelly bean. No, it's I'm it's a mean society we live in now. So, I mean, what we we live as George Costanza says, we live in a society. We do. It's not so. a great one, but we do live in it. You're right about that, <laughs> yes. Mike. That's a wrap on Always End With Food and this episode of Course of Life. Thank you for tuning in. If you made this far, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Again, from Michael, I'm Alex. Everyone have a good week.